All right. Well, this is episode eight of the Talking Book Podcast. My name is Chris Hartram. Talking Book is a independent audiobook publisher, nonprofit, uh, Asheville, North Carolina. We uh, we put authors in a in a booth and we record their books because you know what? It's important. It's fucking important. You know, uh, you know, audiobooks are a very old thing, though they're getting more popular now. Um, it helps helps lots of different kind of people, and it's it's important for you know archival purposes. And the spoken word has power to it. And I could go on for days, but anyway, recording books is fun, and I think it's cool. I hope you do too. But uh, anyway, today I'm talking to Liska Jacobs, uh, who wrote the debut novel Catalina that's out now from MCD Books, which is an imprint of FSG Originals. And man, this book is fun as hell. Uh, as you you hear, we're going to talk about it. It's dark and 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 sexy and um and painful and just fun just can't stop reading it just bite it just you want to suck this book that's too much maybe that's too much but anyway here's my conversation with Liska Jacobs author of Catalina which is out now from MCD Books which is an imprint of FSG Originals Liska Jacobs take it away Hello. Hey, is this Liska? Yes, it is. Chris. This is Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's funny. I uh, yeah, this is the first time we've actually spoke, right? With voices. Yeah. Yes, with voices, with our real voices. Yes. These are our voices. <laughs> I uh, just so you know, heads up. I already press record, so. Oh, okay. Wow. So <laughs> right whatever. Off the bat. Whatever. Let's, as you said, let's just dish. Okay, I like it. Did you say this dish is the? Uh, did you say in an email this is the first time uh, that you chatted on a, a podcast before, quote unquote? Yes, it is. It's my very first podcast. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, this is only technically my uh, like eighth or ninth podcast because we haven't been doing this for too long. So we're both still. Uh, you and I are in this together. We're both still kind of green. Newbies. Oh, that's good. So we'll just edit everything to make it sound super exactly. smart. We'll like edit our voices to sound like movie stars or something. <laughs> so we sound cool. You know, I did a, um, I did like a pre-recorded radio show with books and it was in a like, radio studio downtown. And I was so nervous. Uh, they, it, you know, they have like the microphone right in front of your face and I have headphones on so I can hear my voice and they're sort of doing an introduction of who I am and where I come from and stuff. And then they're like, so welcome to the show. And immediately I went into like sexy Liska voice for some reason. I just went, hello. I just went, hello. And then I was like, what am I doing? Why did I just say it like that? No, I mean, it's, it, it, that's a hundred percent true. I, I do the same thing when I, when I, uh, when I'm, I'm talking to somebody in real life, I'm like, hi guys, how's it going? And then whenever <laughs> I press, too. when I press record, I'm like, hi, my name's Chris. <laughs> yeah. It was just being in that setup in that room, you know, it's all like, soundproofed and I had the microphone and I just was like, I leaned into the microphone and just went, hello. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's, <laughs> That's it's, not my voice at all. Right. It's, it's hard <laughs> to not do that. Um, I, I actually, we had somebody here in the studio last night and they had never uh, done something like that before, even though as humble as our surroundings are. Um, and, he, and I said uh, that I found recently at least, and, and again, I'm no... Uh, no pro whatsoever. Like I'm a complete knucklehead when it comes to this. But uh, 
it's kind of like when you're watching subtitles in a movie, you first you're reading the subtitles, but then it goes away very quickly and you don't, you forget the microphones there. Totally. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I started to get used to it. So I'm hoping that whenever they air it on the radio that I won't sound like a phone call girl or something. <laughs> <But> so <laughs> what's the difference between pre-recorded radio and a podcast? It's just that See, it's I just that it, I, I guess it airs I on the radio. Know. Airs on the radio. They, yeah, it'll be on KPFK. Oh, that's great. Right? Cool. I think that's yeah, yeah. I think that's the basically the difference. I think I, I don't know. They just call, also maybe the name. Like they call it Los Angeles Review of Books Radio Hour. Oh, I it's guess. a Tele Review of Books. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my first like recorded conversation. That's that, amazing. Well, people will hear my voice. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean. Well, actually, before I ask you questions about that, where where are you right now? What's what's around you? Are you inside, outside? I'm at home. Yeah, I'm sitting at my desk, um, and I'm by myself. Um, it's actually warm outside. It's like 80 degrees. Oh my god, which that is really nice. weird. What where is it? Where you are? Here, it's probably. I'm really bad at being able to t- to like tell the time or the temperature and things like that. But I would just guess. Yeah. I would guess it's like 50. Uh, one. It actually sounds kind of nice. I mean, I'm spoiled in Southern California. All cold weather sounds nice to me, but I know the reality is pretty harsh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I whenever I think about California, I lived there, uh, in high school <clears throat> and very briefly oh. when, when I was a kid Yeah, in, in LA. And, uh, I always missed that, uh, that vibe of, uh, eternal sunshine. But then, uh, whenever the autumn comes around in the mountains here and we get that, cri- that crisp, uh, yeah, I'm always, yeah. Like, I'm always like, this is amazing. Yeah. See that, that, um, I, you know, it sort of fooled me into thinking that I could probably do East coast because, you know, I grew up in Southern California and I thought, Oh, you know, I like fall. I would, I think I could handle the snow. So I went to Northeastern for a hot minute uh-huh. and I survived like two blizzards and I kept, I was just like, what are you people doing? Why are you living like this? There's a whole side of the country that's sunny all the time. And I just moved back here. (laughs) Yeah. It does seem like, I mean, if you just think about basic uh, physiology, you know, a polar bear doesn't want to live in the desert. And, you know, if we we were running around (laughs) naked, uh, why would we want to be somewhere where we can't do that if that's the natural state? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I do, I do miss the fall on the East Coast. We don't get much of a fall here. I mean, it's 80 degrees outside. We get Santa Ana winds um, in the fall, which is sort of a seasonal thing. Where where are Not you exactly in? Uh, uh, I'm in Pasadena now. Oh, um, Pasadena. I've okay. li- yeah, yeah. I live I live um, in Pasadena now, but I've lived all over the city. This is like the furthest east I've ever lived. Man, yeah. This is kind of um kind of been a California uh, double time on the podcast. La- last episode we talked to Miriam Gerba. Uh, I don't know if you know her, but she's a um a really great writer. She just came out with a memoir called Mean with Coffee House Press and their imprint Emily Books. Oh, so cool. She's in California too, so I'm just talking to people in California left and right. Is she is she Southern California or Northern California? She's in Los Angeles. Mhm. She's in Los Angeles too. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she uh teaches high school. But um but yeah, man, I really I really do uh that's where my mom's from is Burbank, so uh yeah. I'd, oh, really? Yeah, I do. I do miss it over there a lot. I need, I need to get over there more. I, I lived in New York for a short stint, but I've always told myself, like, eventually, if I ever want to leave the mountains, I'm going to do California again. So maybe I should yeah. try. Pasadena's nice. What's it like there? Pasadena's nice. I, the only problem is that it's it's hot. I mean, I used to live in Mar Vista, which is, you know, in, in just outside of Santa Monica. And I thought for some reason moving to Pasadena, because it's closer to the mountains, that it would be cooler. 
but it's actually, it can be like 20 degrees hotter, which is really disappointing. So sometimes my husband works in Santa Monica and he'll drive to Santa Monica and it'll be foggy there and 70, but here it'll be, you know, 95 degrees right. <laughs> and very yeah. dry. Yeah. So it's, it's, but it's, it's more affordable. You know, it's, it's beautiful here. A lot of craftsman houses. Yeah, that's that cool. Kind of that, that's kind of like uh, Asheville. I don't know if you've ever been to Asheville, but it's similar. A lot of, it's very pretty. A lot of that kind of um, craftsman style, bungalow style homes. Yeah, and, and pre- pretty, yeah. pretty neighborhoods and nice scenery and stuff. Yeah, I like it here. It's not too bad. It's the largest apartment I've ever lived in, so I'll take it. Heck yeah, that's cool. I mean, speaking of California, I mean, this book is just you know, even in all the reviews, everyone's talking about it as like such a California book and such an LA book. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got, um, you've got something tonight you're going to, right? After this uh, conversation. Yeah. What, what, yeah, what is that? Yeah. I'm going to Skylight Books tonight. I'll be in conversation with David Eulen, who is sort of the Southern California guy. Um, do you know who he is? He's, he's compiled a, a lot of, um, the LA anthology. Um, he's sort of, and yeah, I he's don't... sort of the guy. You I don't know. know the, I, I don't know the name, but uh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure I know. I've heard of him. What, what does he do exactly? So he he's he's well well known for um, putting together this Los Angeles this LA anthology of writing um, different LA writers from the beginning of Los Angeles to basically now. I mean, this came out maybe a decade or so ago, but it was sort of the first anthology of LA writing um, that people sort of look. I think they look to and and take seriously. So, and he's been my friend for a while. We met at UCR PD. He was one of my instructors. So it's going to be fun just to hang out with him. Um, we're going to drink some bourbon <laughs> and, and just talk about Catalina. That's awesome. Um, so it'll, it'll be cool. And so in conversation with, uh, for uh, those of you who, who might not, you know, know it, it, I've always found that, that phrase kind of interesting because it's not a reading. You're, you're sitting down and having a conversation with somebody about the book. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? So I used to do events at the last bookstore. So um, I've read that. That's I'm, cool. I like yeah, that. I like that store a lot. It's really weird to be on the side of things because I've set up so many in conversations um, versus readings, you know, or um, just meet and greets and stuff like that. In conversations, I think are definitely the way to go for all writers because it's sort of you're on stage with somebody who can guide the questions. Um, sort of look at your book a little bit deeper, get everyone in the audience to start thinking about it critically. Sometimes you do read from the book. I'll probably read like the first chapter just so that people can hear my voice reading it. Um, and then we, we open up to questions. So it sort of becomes like a larger dialogue, right. I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, readings, I mean, you know this better, way better than I do, but, you know, obviously the reading can seem kind of, in general, readings can seem, if, if you just go in, sit down, someone reads and they're like, see ya, then it can seem a little bit flat oh, yeah. or a little bit Yeah, just, yeah. Of course, you can zone out listening to somebody read, you know? Right, um, exactly. I think that happens really quickly. And when, when usually, uh, at least in conversations we did, the author starts, read. they'll read like maybe, you know, five or ten minutes and then the moderator will talk to the author and, you know, they'll go back and forth about the book and then they'll open it up to questions. Um, and it sort of makes it feel like a happening, you know, like something really special that you'll not see or have again. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, rather, rather than a reading, which you could record. And I mean, I guess you could, you could record the in conversation too, but it just feels like a, a very in the moment thing. 
which yeah, I like. It sounds great. I'm definitely, next time we do a reading here, I'm going to take a tip from the pro, Lisa Jacobs, and definitely do an in-conversation <laughs> with. I'll need well, to get somebody like, other, go ahead. No, I was going to say the other reason why we do it is because usually for debut authors, which I am, it's nice to have somebody who's sort of a seasoned pro in like the community. It's sort of like, I like to think of it as a, you know, 1800 ball or something and you need the right person to walk you around the room to introduce you to everybody. Oh, so it's wow. sort of like a nice, a nice way of saying, you know, you're, you're sort of having two authors in the room together who have similar backgrounds and write about similar things. Um, so you can sort of get the community to join forces, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really cool idea. Instead of just the debut author kind of Jumping yeah. off, jumping off the deep end, and being like, "What do I do?" Yeah. Then somebody's like, "Here she is. Here she is." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all really, really awkward, you know. But <laughs> right, it's, yeah. it's nice to have. <laughs> yeah, I'm here sure. she is. <laughs> and ask that they do that when I walk in tonight. Yeah. <laughs> there should be some music, some kind of entrance music. Yeah, and like you do, you do like a little bow, a little dance, and then yeah, oh, it, I like it that. starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a pro wrestler <laughs> when they formal. come into the fight. <laughs> Yeah. I like that too. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah, yeah you are a debut author. I, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, I'm sure other people have asked you this, but, um, you know, is it, uh, is it, you're kind of in the thick of it right now. It's cool that we're talking right now cause it's happening right now, but, uh, yeah. has, has it been, uh, exactly what you expected or is it different or is it like, is it the kind of thing where you're a young writer and you're like, man, that's going to be the day when that happens. And you know, is, <laughs> is, it, is it fulfilling everything? It's, it's all very surreal, I think. You know, you wait. I mean, I've been working on this book for almost five years. Um, and the last year in particular with, you know, an editor and a publisher. And you're thinking about this date specifically, right? November 7th when it came out and everything's building up to that. And you're doing all this, you know, original pieces for a publication at other places around the same time. And you're really, I mean, you're just really waiting for this fixed moment in time. And then all of a sudden it's here. And you're just like trying to live in the moment, but also trying to grapple with the idea of it happening right now too, I guess. It's just very, it's a very weird feeling to all of a sudden be like this thing that I've been waiting for and wanting is now happening right now. It's very weird. God, I bet. Five years, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a really long time. I mean, I've started, I started writing this book right after I left the Getty Research Institute, um, living in Mar Vista. And then I've, lived in all different places all over the city until Pasadena where I finally sold the book. <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a long haul. See, that's interesting. Uh, just in, in kind of a, uh, because, you know, I'm a huge fan of the book, obviously, you know, uh, re- oh, thank you. reading it and then, you know, having the pleasure to, to, uh, to work on the recording. Um, yeah, I, I was interested reading it and then, you know, upon finishing it, and you said five years, what the, uh, the kind of narrative was of, of you writing it. You said you, yeah. give, give me kind of the rundown nutshell on sure, how you started yeah. it and everything. Um, when I left the Getty, it was to write full time and I was about to turn 30 and I thought, um, I was filled with all this sort of disillusionment about turning 30 and where my life was and stuff. And I sat down and I wanted to write this story about, um, a female character going on, uh, sort of boat trip with some old friends. Um, and her voice sort of just tumbled out of me, which was really nice. Um, and she was so angry right off the bat. And I thought, who is this person? So I started sort of following her a little bit. And I thought it was going to be a novella. Up until this point, I had only written short stories um, and some essays. 
So I really didn't think it was going to be very long. Um, and then I started the UCR Palm Desert program, where it was the first time I showed it to anybody, actually. Um, I showed it to Mary um, uh, Mary Otis in my first workshop. And she was like, this is great. You have to flush it out, though. Like, I need to know more about who she is. And my entire MFA program was me just sort of working on getting to know not just Elsa, but also all the characters around her. So, like, I really needed to know who Charlie was, who Jared was, Robbie, Jane, Tom. Like, I had to know, I had to know them, like, instinctually. Um, and that sort of ballooned it into a novel. Um, and then I worked on it again with my uh, agent, just sort of honing in the actual plot and storyline. And then once I, we sold it, it, you know, you have to work on it again with your editor. So sure. just a lot of, a lot of rewriting. And you know, what's, what I think most of, of work, working on a book is waiting um, because you're not, you're not your teacher's first priority, right? You're not your agent's first priority or your editor. Eventually, you know, once they look at you and they're, you're working with them, um, you guys are, you know, off and running, but there's a lot of wait, waiting time in between. So when I say it took five years, there's just a lot of wait time in between sure, yeah. <laughs> working on drafts of it. <laughs> well, I'm sure too, with the waiting time that it, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like you were eight hours a day working on this book. I mean, life is happening the whole time. Right. And so yeah. it just yeah. kind of becomes. And that always changes it, which is interesting. You know, um, it's funny. A lot of things that end up in the book only happen to around me or I thought of in the last, like the last year or so which is interesting. So I, I think it, it really took five years to write this book. Like it, it happened exactly the way it was supposed to, which is nice. Yeah. That, that's kind of fascinating when you're, you're writing about a specific time uh, and then the amount of years or whatever it takes you to write it, uh, you know, things that are happening along the way start peppering mm-hmm. into this kind of mm-hmm. this idea. And so it definitely, it, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So how long, how far along was the book before you entered the MFA program? It was probably only like 75 pages. Um, I thought it was done. I mean, I had my beginning, middle, and end. Um, and it's it's more or less stayed exactly the same beginning, middle, and end. I've just gotten to know those characters so much more and really, like, really got, I, I guess, really just sort of blown it up a lot more. Right, yeah. The, uh, yeah, man, that, that what a what a journey. The, um just the Elsa as the character, like, you know, as a, as a reader that doesn't know the author, when you're reading Mm -hmm. it, you just like assume, uh, especially with a (laughs) debut novel, oftentimes, you know, you're like, Oh, this is the author. This. Oh, I get that all the time. Right. You you must, because, uh, you know, I think Mm -hmm. we're, we're so accustomed to, uh, and this probably sound, maybe it might sound tired, but, uh, you know, accustomed to having an author's debut novel be like, this is fairly autobiographical. I mean, this is, you know. Oh, yeah. I get that all the time. Part of it is that we're around the same age, you know. Sure. Um, and a lot of the things that, that I'm dealing with in the book are, you know, I'm a woman, so I deal with a lot of the same things. Right. Um, I, and I think with all fiction, at least I, I like to think all good fiction, regardless of genre, um, there's usually some truth in it, right? Like we're writing fiction to get to a truth. So I don't want to, it's not autobiographical, but I'm being completely honest in, in it about how I see the world. So it's hard for me to say like, to say completely, no, else is not me, but I'm using her as a vehicle to sort of explore how I see the world, I guess. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, 
when you say that Elsa's voice just kind of tumbled out of you, you know, yeah. was it, uh, and totally stop me if, if I, you know, if, if it, sure. any questions are annoying, but I mean, you know, was there any kind, you said she was angry immediately. Like where, where did that come from, uh, from you? Like, oh, that immediately. Yeah. 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 She, she was disillusioned. Uh, originally the book opened, I, um, I cut the first paragraph pretty early on, but it opened with her looking out at Los Angeles from the airport and just so disappointed with what she saw. Um, and I think it really came from when I, um, so while I was finishing my undergraduate degree at UCLA, I got a work study position at the Getty Research Institute. Uh-huh. And I thought this was going to be it. Like I was working in special collections. I had access to all these wonderful rare objects and papers. Um, one of my first jobs there was photocopying um, impressionist letters painters wrote to each other. Oh, and I man. just would thought, how, how are you letting me touch these things? Um, this is amazing. And this is what I want. This is where I want to be. And the people I worked with were lovely. Um, and they hired me right after I graduated, which was really cool. Um, I worked there for five years, but during the five years, it sort of just became, it became a job like any other job I had had before. There were layoffs. Um, there were, you know, sick days and complicated, relationships with people I worked with and stuff. So it just became very much, it became very obvious. This isn't where I was going to stay. I wasn't going to retire there. Right. Um, and I wasn't, it didn't give me enough time to work on the stuff I wanted to be doing, which was writing. Uh, so I, I abruptly quit, um, out of the blue, I think, which you don't really do. I think working at the Getty, most people think like that you get into the Getty, you stay there for life. Um, and then I, I felt really kind of lost, really sort of let down. I'd been following this path, um, thinking I was going to go into the museum world. And I and I was about hit 30 and thought, what do I have to show for this? What do most of the people I know have to show for going to, you know, going through undergraduate degrees? And it was 2000, oh gosh, it was right after the recession, I think. Um, so there's a lot of people struggling. Right. Um, and starting over. And so I think I just sat down and, I think that that's sort of where the disillusionment and anger came from. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, as the, uh, you know, without giving anything away in the book, you know, at the beginning of the story with, with the, the protagonist, you know, just like, all right, she's, uh, she's having some issues here. She's a little angry. There's some problems. <laughs> she's going to work through it. No problem. And then as the book goes on, I'm like screaming at the pages. I was like, stop it. Will you stop? Like it's so, it, it's, it really is quite the ride, you know? Yeah. She, you know, I realized, um, it opens with her ordering a picture of Bloody Mary for herself and she's alone. So it's not, and you sort of know from the opening sentence, it's not going to go anywhere better than that, yeah. right? <laughs> she's she's sort of in a hotel room by herself, just almost at, like pretty much at rock bottom. And then we just sort of stay there. It, it gets worse, of course, but um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's a it's a wild ride, I think. She uh, she orders a picture of Bloody Marys and a and a bagel, right? A bagel, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I distinctly remember after reading that I had to go get a bagel. So that's an <laughs> unnecessary detail of me reading it, but uh, just saying. So no, I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I really like that. <laughs> did you um? Did you spend a lot of time, or did you uh, go to Catalina Island and um, just kind of soak in the vibes while you were writing? About I that did. Part? You know, I so I really wanted to write my my the books I like to read are like sort of they take you somewhere, like you sort of get to do it. I guess travel. Um, so 
but you know, I was poor and living um, very frugally, and I thought, well, where where could they possibly travel on a sailboat? And I thought, Carolina. But I had only been to Avalon. Um, I had heard of harbors, uh, but I didn't know if it was as what I needed it to be, which I needed it to sort of have that duality where Avalon is really touristy, um, and the other half of the island be more. So I took a trip there, um, and Two Harbors is indeed very rural, and I thought, perfect, this is where I'm going to set the book. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I've never um I've never been to Catalina or Avalon or anywhere on that island, but um it's 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 a, a cool thing about the book is you know it's very much LA because if unless I'm wrong, Catalina is part of LA County, right? Um, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah it is, but it, but it also feels like you're on this trip to somewhere completely exotic and strange and and mysterious, without leaving yeah. Los Angeles at the same time. It's very strange. Yeah. I Catalina is a weird place. I mean, you can you can see it from pretty much all over the city. Um, weird lump of land out there, uh-huh. and you have to cross the Santa Monica Bay to get to it. So yes, it's part of Los Angeles, but it's completely removed. Um, and then Avalon is sort of this you know, sort of artificial touristy town. I mean, it's it's really um, laid out as this place where you go, and it's got this island vibe and stuff. Um, it's really, really weird. It's it's very artificial. And then people love it. I don't want to knock it. It's, it's not my favorite place, as you can probably tell from reading the book. Um, but then Two Harbors is completely different. There's one restaurant, one bar. Um, we went camping there a few times. And there's these Catalina Island foxes, which are really tiny foxes. They're like the size of a house cat. Oh, man. And they'll come out at night and, you know, run across your, like the all your stuff outside. So there's these tiny little fox prints all over all your stuff. There's bison that come down from the hills. Um, there's bald eagles. I mean, it's 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 completely different. What a weird uh, place, isn't it? Yeah, but then if you think about it, that's exactly what Los Angeles is like, right? You have Hollywood, which is this really sort of you know, machine, the stream machine, right? But then it's surrounded by the Santa Monica Mountains, which has coyotes and mountain lions. Uh, there's the Santa Monica Bay, which you know you can go and see whales out there, right? So it's just, it's sort of this sort of very compact version of the place. I'm already living in, which is why I thought all this is exactly where they need to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very, a very, very, uh, very cool location for for this story to spin wildly out of control. You'll have to come back and go there because it's really fun. But I need you have to, to try. Yeah, I definitely. The buffalo milk cocktail. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I, I had heard of that place and I had seen this lump of land in the distance, but I, uh, yeah, I, I until reading the book, I like look stuff up about. It. I read about. It. I even read about the foxes, and I was like, uh, oh, yeah. I was like, this place sounds insane. It's kind of like um, it reminded me of a couple things. It reminded me of uh, um, being in Hong Kong and then taking a ferry to Macau, and how it's just like this, like where the hell oh, is cool. like this? Where the hell is this coming from? And it's like kind of yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and it, and also. <laughs> reminded me a little bit of Tulum, uh, Mexico. I don't know if you've been there, oh, but cool. Tulum is like this weird touristy strip, beautiful paradise, but also this kind of like tourist hellhole. And it's like, but there's real Mexican towns like right next to it. It's yeah. Right yeah. next door. Isn't right. that weird? I, I don't know how, how, I don't, I, I don't know if it's something that humans just do that we need to make like this false place right in the center of, I don't know what it is that, that, but I, it tends to happen quite often. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna keep on uh, promoting Catalina, um, and I'm yeah. sure I'm sure that like how how far you I, I don't know as much about 
that may be as I should. How far is that journey? How far into it are you into the into the journey? Yeah, um, I have an, another event tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff now is just with my UCR people. Um, so like tonight, I get to have a conversation with David Ulin. Tomorrow, um, the university invited me out to do arts and letters with Todd Goldberg, who's the director of the program. And then I get to do sort of my victory lap where um, they have residency in December and I'm going to come back and do a lecture and then do a conversation with the students. Um, and I, oh, and then I get to do like a, a reading at a bar, which is my, always my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So, so hitting all sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's a pretty much the extent of it. And then thankfully I can just start working on second book, which will be nice. I can just go back to just working at my desk where I don't see everybody, you know, human beings. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, about the second book or what you're working on next or right now that you can say? Oh, I think so. Please, um, please do. So, so I was lucky enough to get a two book deal with MCD. So I, I'm gone immediately right into working the second book. I finished the first draft, but um, I'm still sort of tinkering with stuff. Um, I I sort of swore to myself that if I ever sold a second book, I would set it somewhere more exotic than in, you know, Catalina. Sure. So the second one is um, taking place in Rome and Puglia. <laughs> um, so I've gotten to do uh, two trips there this last year for research, of course, because I'm a very serious writer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all tax write off. Uh, so all I can say is that it's taking place in Rome and Puglia, and I think I can say about like what it's about. Um, it's it. about a mid-40s woman who uh, seduces her niece's 19-year-old boyfriend. Um, who's Italian, yeah, in Rome. Sounds Damn. fun, right? <laughs> Sounds very sultry. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it'll be dark and fun and sexy, which is exactly like Catalina. I, I was going to say, so. yeah, Catalina is very much, <laughs> I've already told a million people to uh, read it and listen to it. But I would say dark, fun, and sexy is definitely a good way to describe it. And, and it's funny because yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who just finished listening to it, um, uh, narrated by Tavia Gilbert. Uh, she was great. Um, who did a wonderful job. Oh, my God. I, I think she, she did, too. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I really love it. I mean, basically, every time I have to do a reading and somebody says, okay, will you read it? I'm like, what if I play you the first chapter? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> That's a good it. idea. <laughs> you know what you could do? This could be like a weird performance art, but you're like, okay, everybody, I'm going to start reading. Now, my voice might sound a little different when I start reading. And then you can kind of like lip sync the words as if it's your voice. That'd be weird. I love that. That's yeah. a fantastic idea. Yeah, I played it for um, a bunch of my first event. This is so weird, but I was invited to a Catholic high school, an all-girl Catholic high school. Okay. Um, and they wanted me to read it. And I said, well, I just got, you had just sent me Tavia's, um, like the first recording she did. And I said, well, why don't I play this for you? So this group of 16-year-old private school girls listen to the beginning of Catalina read by Tavia, which was great. They loved it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. She's going to listen to this. So she'll be very pleased to hear that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool. The, the audio book is kind of this, um, without going on a rant about audiobooks, the audio book is kind of this interesting place between the book and, you know, an even more fleshed out performance, like, uh, like as if it were adapted into a film. So it's kind of this, yeah. mi- this middle ground, you know, it's still right to the manuscript, but it is a performance and an adaptation to an extent, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I completely agree. And I, Elsa's voice is 
she's such a, you know, very strong character. I mean, I wrote her, so of course I feel that way. But <laughs> No, she is, um, though. She is a, she is a badass. <laughs> she's scary. Ta- Tavia really nails it. I mean, the first time I heard her, I thought, yep, that's Elsa. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we went through quite a few auditions, and when we heard hers, I was like, that is Elsa. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. She's got, she's got the prettiness, but also that bite to her, mm-hmm. which, love it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so if if uh, this just occurred to me, but uh, if uh, have you, you know, because this kind of book is dark, sexy, and fun, as you said, um, have you done any kind of like um, fantasizing about if this were uh, picked up and made into a movie, who would play Elsa? Yes, actually. I, I bet you have. I, I have, yeah. So when I first started it, you know, I, I had different, certain actors and actresses picked out, but they've all sort of aged out of the roles. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> But originally I wanted um, Kristen Dunst to play Elsa. Huh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, but now I'm sort of thinking maybe Emma Stone. Right, um, I could see I that. just recently watched Jude Law in something, and I think he would make the best Tom, but it just it it bothers me so much that there isn't a movie where he's playing Tom already. Man. <laughs> I just think he'd be so good. Yeah, the cast is all, I said the cast like it already is a movie. But, it, it, but yeah, but, but all the characters are very much like, just you see them, you you very much visualize them in their actions and their words, and so it it must be fun specifically for this book to think about that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've made I've made a few lists of who would play all the characters. I mean, it would be great if if it were to happen. It but, should happen. Um, I think it's going to happen. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. it's <laughs> going to happen. Thank you. I'm going to knock on wood for you. <laughs> Please, I just did too. I, just did. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would be really excited to see that happen um, because you know I I come from a, a film production family so I think sort of cinema was in my mind as I was writing it I think it's a very visual book you know um, it is God it would be rad it would be so rad <laughs> I, w- I would even be willing to put money on it like I don't know you would you would never you would never bet against your own book becoming a movie because that so that would be dumb but maybe I'll find someone who will bet against me and I'll just put money on it I, I like th- it I think yeah it's, I think yeah it's put, do it. just put me in on I don't know I feel like I should take a cut though, you, you'll get a cut we'll do some way. kind of split some kind of 50 fit you like wrote that. the entire book uh, I didn't do anything but since I'm gonna make the bet I'm gonna take 50 percent. Well, you made a beautiful audiobook, so thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Well, um, Lisa, I guess I'll, I'll let you go. Um, we we okay. really, really love love the book. Uh, it's been fantastic working uh-huh. on the recording. Well, I love you guys. You guys are such a rad company to be working with for for this. So I really appreciate that you picked me up. Oh, I man, like what thanks. you guys are doing over there. Thank you so much for saying that. I it's really, really do. Sweet. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, if you ever make it over to the East Coast, definitely come over and hang and we'll talk again and, and, and uh, uh, I would love to. get behind the microphones and whatnot. Uh, cool. Thanks, Chris. It was nice to talk to you. We yeah, you too. Voice. Good luck tonight. Have fun. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> See ya. All right, well. That was us talking about the book, and Liska Jacobs is really nice and fun, and we had a great chat, and yeah, I hope she had a great time at her conversation. I need to get in a conversation with somebody. I feel like I talk to people here, but you know, going to an event where you're in conversation, that's like a, that sounds legit. That sounds like a big deal. Ah, one day, um, one day I'll get there, and uh, maybe you'll be there. Maybe you'll be there to see it. But anyway, here is a an excerpt of uh, Lisa Jacobs' new book, Catalina, from MCD Books. 
and it's Tavia Gilbert. Tavia Gilbert is the narrator. Uh, we went with an actor on this one, and it sounds amazing. And as you heard, Liska really likes it. And I think it's just it's just a really fine book in audio. The recording is. But anyway, I'll shut up. Here's the uh, excerpt of Catalina by Liska Jacobs, narrated by Tavia Gilbert. Chapter One It's just past breakfast, so I order up a pitcher of Bloody Mary's and a bagel. I dash off a text to Mother. I've landed safely. Sorry I couldn't stay longer. The phone is a slick new thing. Touchscreen with buttons too small for my fingers, but still they make a satisfying click-click. Before I left New York, I bought a Gucci case for it. Alligator skin, because it was gaudy and expensive, and because I liked the idea of a decorative predator. I turn the ringer off and slip the phone into one of the dresser drawers. The Miramar is a Bougainvillea and Jasmine hotel. Cobblestone circular drive, naming cursive on a black iron gate, golden California light spilling everywhere. My room faces the pier, and when I'm out on the balcony, it's like walking on the giant banyan and jumble of palm trees below. All the cocktails here are named after celebrities. The Capote is a mess of bourbon and mint. The Marilyn has gin and a cherry. The Bloody Mary is the only one named for what it is, and after the last two days, it's exactly what I need. I had gone to Bakersfield because New York had turned on me. It felt treacherous. Everywhere, reminders of him. I wanted somewhere I would feel safe, somewhere familiar. Instead, almost as soon as I got off the plane, I remembered why I left Bakersfield in the first place. Mother, with her thin lipstick smile, how she reached out for my shoulder but took my bag instead. How she never asked how I was feeling, only said how thin I was, how great my skin looked. By the time she invited my older brothers over for Sunday dinner, Something that never happened when I was around, but apparently became a tradition once they bought houses in the area. I was already looking up flights to Los Angeles. They showed up with their perky, two-of-a-kind wives and their darling, demonic children. At first, they feigned surprise at seeing me, but then one did his best Donald Trump. You're fired, he said, pushing his thinning hair to one side and pointing at me. His wife pinched him, saying, don't listen to him, hun, it's happening everywhere, while her boys tugged at her jeans, chanting, mom, mom, mom. In the kitchen, mother wasn't just holding down the button on the blender, she was pulsing it, the ice for her margaritas crunch-crunching between the kids chanting, mom, mom. I took the first flight out this morning, then it was just a short cab ride to Santa Monica, I try not to imagine the face mother will make once she realizes I've left. I hang my dresses and blouses and slacks, calling up for more hangers. I arrange my shoes in the closet as if I am moving in. I read over the dry cleaning services and note that they will press your socks free of charge. The bed is wide, a California king with a down comforter that puffs up around me like a hug, saying, just wait. Just wait. I try not to think of how few options I have left. How being laid off feels like an end that rings on and on. How Eric did not ask me to stay. 
how in that last moment in his office, he did not stand up and say anything. Just sat there, hand beside mine, close but not touching, until the human resources woman coughed politely and he moved it away. But let's not think of that. I look up at the ceiling, where a fan made to look like palm fronds turns in quiet arcs. Just beyond the eggshell walls is a bustling little beach city, my college town. Those days seem so long ago. Charlie and Jared are living in Santa Monica now, Southern California homeowners, for God's sake. Their wedding, more than six years ago, was the last time we were all together. Charlie, lovely in white lace, already making excuses for Jared with his sweaty upper lip, still hungover from his bachelor party. At the reception, a DJ announced Mr. and Mrs. Jared Brownstone to a cheering room, and Robbie stood, whistling and clapping. Jared raised his arms above his head, a victorious gladiator, and the crowd ate it up, their cheering thunderous. Someone stood on a chair and shouted into a megaphone. Others used the toy hand clappers with the brides and grooms' names written in white paint. I took a Xanax with champagne, telling myself to be quiet, to ignore that nervous flutter, silence that inner alarm. Just be content. Drink and be content. This can be enough for you, too. You are married to your own college, sweetheart. It has not even been a year. Give it time. Just wait. Charlie beaming, beaming, as she looked at me from across the room. A look of cul-de-sac contentment, a future filled with barbecues, pool parties, and playdates. This is enough for her, I thought. It is enough for them all. And then there was Robbie, frowning at me because I asked the waiter for another glass of champagne, because lately I'd been taking Xanax like Tic Tacs. But Robbie, I thought, don't you want a happy little wife? I started looking for jobs in New York the next day. Our little clique has kept in touch since then, mostly online. I know all about Jared's promotions, Charlie's new job at the elementary school, how they began renovations on their home, and how a few months ago when they were in New York, we somehow did not find the time to see each other. And Robbie, too. His new job working for Jared and dating a woman who takes a lot of selfies, all outdoors, usually summiting some peak. Should I call them? I'm not ready to hear Robbie's voice. Still tense and hurt, waiting to be let back in. Charlie? She will definitely want to go shopping. And we will get frappuccinos with skim milk and try on dresses and talk about whatever argument she and Jared are currently in the middle of. God, how exhausting to be back. I can almost feel my old self, that girl who loved art, museums especially, who dreamed of a career far from here. Poor girl, joke's on you, you're back, your old life just waiting for you like a second skin. When I called Charlie from Bakersfield, she whooped, Elsa's finally coming home. She chattered on about planning a trip for us. Robbie wanted to see a jazz festival happening on Catalina Island. A friend of Jared's had a sailboat. It'll be perfect, 
she said. It'll be just like old times. And that second skin goes zip. In eighth grade, Charlie's parents divorced and her mother took her to Southern California, to Simee Valley. We reconnected at UCLA years later. We fell back into it easily, discovering that whatever made our childhood friendship necessary was still there. Then, sometime after my divorce with Robbie, as she settled into a life that consisted mostly of pleasing Jared, and I was occupied with a new job, we let our friendship lag. It was easy to do. I urged it along, letting weeks go by before returning phone calls or answering emails, intentionally keeping my New York life separate, private. But Charlie is loyal to a fault, like a good soldier or a dog. This is when being sober is the worst. I called to check on my room service order, asking them to bring extra pillows and Advil too. The room service boy lingers, saying he thinks redheads are pretty. He's young and breakable, and it would feel so goddamn good to break something. He's cute, with a cleft in his chin, but I'm way too tired to do anything about it. I shower with my drink and take one of Mother's Vicodins. Let it begin, I think, rolling myself into one of the hotel bathrobes, the fabric soft and vibrantly white, wonderfully impersonal. Let it begin. All right, there was, that was it. That was just a little taste of Catalina. You can get this book <clears throat> on the World Wide Web, on the internet. You can get it on Audible, iTunes. You can go to our website, talkingbook.pub. You can get Catalina by Liska Jacobs, and you can also get a bunch of other books that we did that are really great, like uh, The Sarah Book by Scott McClanahan. That's one of my favorites. Literally Show Me a Healthy Person by Darcy Wilder. Um, no Joy by David Rose. What else? What do we got? We got uh, Wait Till You See Me Dance by Debel and Unferth. Mean by Miriam Gerba, Tales of Falling and Flying by Ben Laurie, F-250 by Bud Smith. Lots of good stuff in here. You got to come check it out. Have fun. Sit down. Have a drink. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're going to keep making books and uh, we'll probably do, you know, we're going to keep doing these and we'll probably do another talking shit episode where I just talk to our knucklehead friends. It's a fun time all around, but, um, you know, support, support uh, support writers and support literature and support, um, support your parents because they supported you. Thanks so much for, uh, all the music that a bunch of people helped out with on this podcast. Like who do we got? Keegan Grambois, who did that killer opening track, um, Holler Boys, which is Scott McClanahan and Chris Oxley, uh, the guitar, um, uh, the transitions with the guitar. It's awesome. And, uh, we got uh, the ending theme is by Alex Sturgis, originally composed for uh, Sophia, the audiobook um, written by Michael Bible that came out from Melville House. But we've got some really cool books coming out, uh, a bunch of stuff from New Directions coming out soon, a bunch of old classic stuff like William Carlos Williams, Arthur Rimbaud, a um, bunch of Clarice Lispector, some Chinese poetry from Lee Po. So we're going to do some old school stuff and just see how that goes. Some of the classics. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. My name is Chris Hartram. Go to talkingbook.pub. It is a nonprofit, so 
donate something or just send me an email or submit to the lip mag or give me a call and we'll chat on the podcast. Or you don't have to do anything. Just sit back and relax. It's the holidays. Thanksgiving's coming. Get some turkey. Get some toiki. Um, but thanks so much, folks. Uh, my name's Chris Hartram. And thanks, Dave. Dave Burr for editing this. And uh, all right. Well, see you. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy. Chasing sister squares I was lit Before I knew that you were there Like an angel Who has forsaken certainty Sleeping in the square I was lit